Hey, Cornerstone family, it's March the 31st. It's Wednesday. You've almost made it through March. And in the next couple of days, we're going to be gathering together for Easter worship on Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. I want to encourage you to get out, make plans to be here, invite your family, friends. And I also want to mention, if you're super concerned about social distancing, come in our social distancing entrance, which is door C. And that section, the north section of the sanctuary, especially in the first service, is usually somewhat empty. Empty. Even in the second service, there's very few people. So you, you can bring your family and have your own row or two to yourself on uh, Sunday. And so uh, I want to make sure that you know that and make plans to be here. We're all working hard to get ready uh, for you on this Sunday to have a great day together. I remember last year when we weren't able to be together in person on Easter and I sat in my office on Sunday morning and worshiped online. And I just I remember thinking, man, I don't ever want to do this again. I don't ever want to not be with my church family on Easter Sunday ever again. And so I hope you feel that same way. I hope you'll be here this Sunday. Well, today our reading comes from Matthew chapter 22. Uh, Matthew chapter 22 is a very uh, important passage. It's kind of this this debate back and forth between Jesus and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're trying to trap him. They want to arrest him. And uh, it's, it's in the middle of Passion Week. It's after Palm Sunday when they waved palm branches and shouted Hosanna. And it's just before the betrayal and all of the events that happen when Jesus has the Passover meal with his disciples. And so I want to read to you one particular passage of scripture, just a few verses, Matthew chapter 22, verse 15 through 22, and talk about it because it's probably the most familiar passage in this chapter, but it's also probably the most misinterpreted passage in this chapter. And so uh, I want to read it to you, beginning in verse 15, that the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. They sent some of their disciples, along with the supporters of Herod, to meet with him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial and don't play favorites. Now tell us, what do you think about this? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said, why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply amazed them and they went away. So I need to give you a little backstory uh, before we jump into this passage. When Jesus was young, when he was a little boy, there was a Jewish revolutionary named Judas and he Basically, one of his campaign slogans, one of his mantras was that the Jews didn't owe taxes. Well, taxes were always a tough spot for Jews, because imagine if someone from a far off country from the end of the earth came and took over your country and then said, for the privilege of us taking over your country, you now have to pay taxes to us. That's what happened in Israel. Uh, Rome took over Israel, and most Jews had never been out of Israel. They'd never been to Rome, and yet here this Caesar was saying, hey, for the privilege of me making you subjects of mine, you've got to pay me taxes. And so it was a really sore subject. So this guy named Judas, when Jesus was a little boy, started a revolution by saying, you don't have to pay taxes to Caesar. You're, you're, you're a Jew. You, you don't owe taxes to Caesar. And, and so Rome did what Rome always did with revolutionaries. They crucified him. As a matter of fact, the annals of history say that there were crosses all over the countryside of people who had followed Judas and his anti-tax scheme. And so when the Pharisees come and they ask Jesus this question about taxes. It's kind of a double-edged sword because Jesus was seen as a revolutionary. He talked about the kingdom of God. 
And the assumption was that he was going to tell people they were subject to the kingdom of God and not to the kingdom of Caesar. The assumption was that he was going to be like Judas before him who had said, you don't have to pay your taxes to Caesar. And that would give them all that they needed to have him arrested. As a matter of fact, they bring with them the supporters of Herod. Uh, so Romans, the, some some Roman guards, perhaps, so that when Jesus says you don't have to pay taxes, he can be arrested, and that's the end of it. Uh, because then they would have Herod and the Romans to do their dirty work for them. But Jesus sees through it. Now the problem is, if Jesus says pay your taxes, then he's not much of a rev- revolutionary. And so it is kind of a double-edged sword. If he says, don't pay your taxes, the Romans are going to arrest him. He's going to get crucified. Um, if, if he says, do pay your taxes, then a lot of the Jews that are looking for someone uh, to to lead them out of captivity uh, to, to the Romans, they're going to leave him. And so it's this double-edged sword, and it is, as Jesus says, a trap. It was designed as a trap. And so when they ask the question, Jesus says, hey, this is a trap. Why are you trying to trap me? He said, here, show me the coin used for the tax. And he holds it up and he says, whose picture and and title are stamped on it? Whose image is this? And and you should know, obviously, they tell us that it's Caesar's image, but you should know that carrying that Roman coin with Caesar's image in it in your pocket would would have been heartbreaking for the Jews. To know that they had to use that coin to to do commerce, to buy their groceries, to to, to pay their workers, that, that every time they did a financial transaction, they had to look at the image of the one who had subjugated them, the one who had conquered them. That would have been heart wrenching for the Jews. And so he didn't have to ask that question. Everybody knew whose picture and title were on it. But even the titles that Caesar used on the Roman coins that were distributed throughout uh, Palestine and ancient Israel uh, were were insulting. He would put titles on his coins like son of God or high priest, almost mocking the Jews' own religion. And, and so a really, really thorn in the side of the Jews when Jesus says, whose picture and title, whose whose image and inscription are on this coin? And Jesus's answer is one, if you've been in church for more than a minute, you've probably heard quoted uh, from the King James, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. And it's it's a fine translation, but I think it's incomplete. I think it misses the point because if you've always heard this passage as a passage in support of politics and government and that Christians should pay their tithes and and just let government be government and pay their uh, pay their taxes pay their taxes to Caesar and pay their tithes to God that's an incomplete interpretation of this passage certainly we believe you should pay your taxes we believe you should pay your tithes to God but Jesus is saying something more than about money he's using money as an illustration and the 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 key is in that that word picture whose picture whose image is stamped on it. And it was clear that the image of Caesar was stamped on the coin. And so what has Caesar's image on it should be paid back to Caesar. But if you get just that part and miss the second part, you're missing the point. Because what do we know about each and every one of us from our theology, from our study of the Old and New Testament? We are each and every one of us made in what? in the imago Dei, in the image of God. So when Jesus says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God, he is calling the Pharisees out and he's calling us out. And he's saying, just as Caesar's image is pounded into that silver coin that you're holding, 
God's image has been pounded into you. It is reflected in you. And so when Jesus says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God, he is not making a monetary argument. He is not making a political argument. He is making a kingdom argument. If you are made in God's image, God wants you back. Give to Caesar the coin that he stamped his image on. But God's worried about something more important than a Roman denarii or a U.S. dollar. God is concerned about those people who have have his image stamped on them. And the, the Pharisees knew exactly what he was saying. They knew he was calling them out for their lack of devotion to God. And so in verse 22, it says his reply amazed them and they went away. And to really understand what Jesus is doing here, you have to understand that in light of the whole story, because Jesus had already told his disciples that he was going to be crucified. So he's not trying to he's not trying to give some clever answer that gets him off the hook so that he doesn't get crucified, because he's going to get crucified with tax rebels anyway. So he's not trying to wiggle out of some personal political danger. He's not trying to be cute. He was walking straight toward that cross. He's walking straight toward that political danger. He was just doing it on his own terms, and he was leading a revolution, but it wasn't the kind of revolution that they had known. He was a different kind of revolutionary. The kingdom of God would defeat the kingdom of Caesar, but not with a sword and not with battles, but by the victory of God's love and power over even the empire of death itself at the cross. And that's what the story is all about. It's about saying, if you're worried about a coin, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. It's about God who wants your heart and God's image is stamped on you. So give Caesar the coin that has his image stamped on it. Give God the life that has his image stamped on it. And that's my challenge for you today. If you're listening and you've made this about money, you've made this about something else, Make it about the fact that God's image is uniquely stamped on your life and God wants you back. We've been talking about that in the series of Jonah. God wants you back. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you stamped your image on each of us. Thank you for helping us to have insight into passages like this that are more than just about taxes. They're about our lives and about your desire to be in relationship with us. And so I pray for every one of my Cornerstone family members within the sound of my voice. I pray today that you would help us to make that decision afresh and anew, that we're going to give Caesar what what is Caesar's. We're going to give the government the things that have their image stamped on them, but we're going to give you the things that have your image stamped on them. And that's our lives because we are each made uniquely in the image of God. And so we give you ourselves. We give you ourselves fully and completely as we serve you, just as you fully and completely gave yourself to the cause as you headed to the cross to get victory over the kingdom of Caesar, the kingdom of this world, and the kingdoms of darkness. We thank you for this new kingdom in which we can give ourselves fully and completely back to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I love you. I will see you tomorrow.